Hello everyone, Lee Henson, President and Founder of Agile Dad here. We'd like to welcome you to today's edition of the Daily Stand-Up. Without any further ado, let's get started. We had a writer that recently wrote in with another topic. We, we, we really appreciate all of you who write in and share these topics with us. It makes it a lot easier for us to make sure we're covering topics that are important to you. And we encourage you, if you haven't had an opportunity to do this, go ahead and write to us at learnmore.agiledad.com. We'd love to cover your topic live on the air. And uh, the topic for the day, the topic that we got uh, asked about, are how, you know, what are some of the ways that we can identify and use Agile principles to drive innovation in a very large company, which sometimes I don't necessarily have control over? So good question. Because in most cases, when you're in a real large company like that, it's not something that you do have control over. But there are certain things that we can do as strong scrum masters and Agile coaches to help grease the skids, to help people and organizations and strategies really get their head around what they need to do uh, in order to have success with their Agile implementation. So coming in at number one is uh, trust and autonomy empowers your teams to innovate. I think it's important for you to embed trust in everything that you do and to make sure your teams know that you trust them implicitly and that whatever they do is going to be the right solution. And don't be afraid to let them fail. Empower them to be innovative. Empower them to fail. Empower them to make critical choices. What I can tell you is from the perspective of helping organizations to really take Agile to the next level, you know, if, if you're trying to do this without an environment of psychological safety and if you're trying to do this without an environment of autonomy, you know, your teams just aren't going to get to that point where they can innovate. You know, failure breeds innovation, and I think allowing failure is what really makes the team smarter and it, uh, it helps them to work in a way that's more productive and in a way that makes sense. Coming at number two of our list of eight is access to the customers, the end consumers, reduces innovation risk. Shocking, right? I just think it's, you know, it's capped and obvious, if you will. But the more access that you give those people who are building critical pieces of your product and service to the actual stakeholders, to the customers who are using the product or service, the less low fidelity changes you're going to have, the fewer low fidelity changes you're going to have to make. You've got so many things that you can do. And it's just going to empower you to really make changes, to do what's right, and to to really uh, push for continued questions to be answered and push for data to be shared with you so that you can make the right product or service decisions. Coming at number three, retrospectives drive continuous improvement. Once again, call me Captain Obvious, but you know I think the teams that have the better retrospectives are the teams that are most successful. This helps foster that sense of psychological safety. It gives teams something to talk about, and it helps them at an enterprise level really understand what they should be doing within the organization. Uh, coming in next, we have communicate with the stakeholders more frequently. And I think this is just that voice of the customer type thing where we really get our head on the voice of the customer, try to understand exactly what's happening. But it's important for us to be transparent with those stakeholders because the truth is transparency builds trust and it should be a lot more than just check the box that says done. You know, you have to have continuous communication with leadership stakeholders, executive stakeholders. You need to make sure you're getting buy-in from different people. So, I mean, there's no reason why we can't uh, be flexible in our communication. But we, we should certainly have those communications more frequently for shorter durations with a smaller group of individuals with an actionable result. If you do those things, you're going to find success. Next, you should align on the fact that priorities will change. You know, there's only two things correct about a plan, and it's a plan and that it will change, uh, especially if it's a longer-term plan. 
I think it's important for us to recognize things at a release level and at a roadmap level and to be able to articulate what's happening on those. But I, I don't know, you know, necessarily that we should ride on a plan that, you know, everything that we know is fact and it'll never change, right? That's etched in stone. I think the only plan that's a good plan is planning to change. And that's because change will invariably happen. So align on a fact of priorities to change, stick to your guns and understand that, hey, you're going to do the best you can with those changes. Remove specific dates from your product roadmap. This is one of my favorites. I never have. I remember all the way back to 2003, and I've never had dates on my roadmap. You know, I've had quarters, so to speak, or expected quarters, but I never had dates. It never said July 15th or August 30th. You know, I think that's so critical because I don't want people to be so pressured by dates and so pressured by deadline. I would rather them see the big picture, you know, talk about the, uh, the strategic, the overall strategic initiative, and make sure that we're pushing things to be in first place that deserve to be in first place, and that we're making auto corrections as needed to make sure that we understand the scope of, you know, what work needs to be done without having to be driven by hard dates that are contained in a roadmap. Coming next, we talk in broad themes rather than features, and I think this is just explicit that we understand the voice of the consumer, that we know about journey mapping and stakeholder mapping, and that we're progressing in those areas so that we can really talk in those broader areas without having to zoom in so hard uh, and see and break down the things that um, that we aren't sure of. You know, I think that if we can really talk in broad themes, at least initially when we know the least, it's going to help us align the theme-based product roadmap later, which makes a whole lot of sense which is then going to produce a better release plan and ultimately a better product backlog. And coming in finally at number at number eight, the last one, uh, evangelize the why behind the what. You know, you don't have to be a preacher in order to get that part right. All you have to do is say, oh, you know, um, this is what we're trying to do. You know, preach the gospel down by the riverside. Make sure you're telling people, you know, when they say the word Agile, I don't want them to just say the word Agile. I want them to know what Agile means. And I want them to, you know, be Agile, not just, you know, do Agile. I want them to think. I want them to have understanding of shifting priorities. I want them to understand rapid innovation. I want them to understand that things shift. And all these things are okay. Uh, but letting stakeholders know about the why behind a what isn't necessarily a bad thing. Ideally, when you finally learn how to talk about the why... That's when you can start mentioning, you know, a shortcoming here, a shortcoming here, or there, or something that you want to do to make things better. You know, in many cases, you know, we we don't go outside of our comfort zone to have these crucial conversations. And I think it's just so critical for us to have the conversations and for us to talk about the why, because I think that once we understand the why behind the what, it makes everything that we do make more sense. It drives it drives everything towards uh, succession and gives us continued success. So I hope that that was helpful. I hope that you learned a lot from this uh, from this deliverable. And as always, I encourage you to tune in uh, to AgileDad.com where you can learn more about this topic or any other topic. And uh, we hope you're having an amazing week. Tomorrow's Friday. We'll come in with another off-Agile topic, uh, but something that's still related so we can tie it all together. On behalf of the team of Agile Dad, at Agile Dad, we encourage you to stay healthy, stay well, and stay Agile, my friends. Until next time. Do take care.